0: I'm going to do just a brief recap of a couple of key main points over the last couple weeks of series and then we'll jump into what the Lord has put on my heart to share this week. James 5, 7, and 8 says this, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do you remember what James wrote just prior to this encouragement of be patient, brothers? Do you remember what he wrote just prior to this, before he readdresses the brethren? What he writes? He writes with outrage and I believe just a passionate anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. I believe James... I don't know. We, he he might have crossed the line. I don't know. But he was fired up. But he brought he, there was an indignation that he had as he talked about the, the injustice that was being done by those that he labeled as you rich. People that are being addressed in this letter to the church so they're on the fringe of the church. But they refused to jump in and to commit and to give their all. To trust him with everything. And not just that. The the selfish and abusive nature of their behavior and their refusal to submit to the Lord was affecting the church, was harming the church. So it was just, it was an outrage. But yet I love the fact that James can transition from this outrage and this passion to okay, be patient, brethren. When the world is telling us to be outraged, God is telling us, have grace. When the world is telling us we have a right to be offended and to walk in that offense, God tells us, forgive. Why? James has the spiritual maturity to shift gears from outrage. To be patient, brothers, friends, brothers, sisters. Endure. Why? The answers are the same. Because our God is awesome and He loves us and He does not want us to miss the harvest. He does not want us to live a life without blessing. And when we live a life that's submitted to Him and that's not in bondage to our flesh... Then we get to walk in blessing. What does that mean in bondage to our flesh? God created us as emotional beings. We have emotions. We cry, we laugh, we get angry, we have the full spectrum. There's days we're down and we're blue, and there's days we're fired up and nothing could bring us down. God created us with emotions, but He created us as men and women of dominion. We were created to have dominion over the earth, and that includes our emotions. So our emotions don't rule us, we rule them, young people. You're in a funky part of life where there's a lot going on inside of you, especially with your emotions. You walk in dominion. You walk in power. You control the emotions by the Spirit of God. They don't control you. When you're down, you can say, Lord, I submit my emotions to you. Depression be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, I yield to you. And body and mind, you will line up with the Word of God. David did that. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all bless the Lord, O my soul. And all this within me. Bless His holy name. He was commanding his soul. You're not gonna just run loose with uh, with emotions. Focusing on this, that, and the other, you're gonna focus on our awesome God. God does not want us to miss the harvest. Galatians six, eight through ten says this for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, and friends, we have opportunity, while we have opportunity, Let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. I love that. The household of faith. That tells me we're all under the same roof. That tells me we're family. That's going to be key as we talk about tonight's topic being kind to one another, showing love to one another. Um, You'll note we put on every chair. I don't know if we we might have missed the last row but um there's a yellow flyer. So basically what this is is last week um these were these were part of my notes last week and uh they didn't make the cut they didn't they didn't come out in the sermon um and then I started my study this week with the Lord and they didn't make the cut again. The Lord said no, that's not what I want you preaching on. But I felt like it was it was key and it was valuable. And so what they are is questions to ask and things to ponder and things to 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 give thought to while we're in the waiting season so that we can see growth and maturity common themes all throughout the book of James so that we can see growth and harvest in our lives so please don't read it now i bring it to your attention just to let you know it kind of it serves as a go between between last week and this week but please also don't dismiss it please don't ignore it and go, well, if it wasn't, if it wasn't good enough to make this either sermon, why should I bother reading it? Well, because quite honestly, I, I'm not the one that controls really what goes into either sermon. I prepare, and then I trust the Lord to lead and direct, and this is what the Lord had me do. Um, so please go home, and, and it's just, I feel like it's real good practical stuff. Um, so please don't dismiss it. Um, but we're going to go ahead and and move on. So recap over. Let's get to today's message. I believe that starting reading here in verse eight. I believe this is the wind down of James's letter. I believe this is the the closing of his letter. Paul makes it real obvious when he's closing a letter. You know, if you look at the, the writings of Paul, I mean, it's real obvious. He's going to encourage them one last time, and he's going to address and greet, and then say, I love you, you're awesome, you're pretty. I mean, you know, Paul really has some, a cool way of winding up a, a letter. I believe this is where James winds up. So let's read James <laughs> 5, 8, and 9. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. So There's two references that, that James make to the Lord is coming. In fact, he's right there at the door. He's standing at the door. So to avoid judgment, don't grumble and complain and backbite and slam one another. This That's, I think, why I believe James is kind of concluding this letter, because this is important to him. He wrote this letter to strengthen the church. He wrote this letter in hopes that they would grow. And so as he kind of winds down this letter, he's saying, oh, love each other. Love each other. You're of the same house. You're family. Love one another. Don't grumble about one another. Don't, don't complain and backbite. If you do that stuff, you're going to be judged. Our dad is right there and it's not going to please him. He's right at the door. So don't do that. When things go wrong, what is a common default? What is a common default that almost every one of us are faced with and that sometimes it just flows from us without even realizing it? We tend to grumble and complain, we blame others. For our discomforts. We blame others for our pain. It comes almost naturally to us. It just happens. You don't believe me? This fall, watch Bronco games with a group of people every time. The Broncos are going to have two or three losses. They're going to lose some games. And be there the minute that the crowd realizes that the game is over, even if there's time left on the clock be there when everyone from the coach to the water boy is blamed the refs are certainly going to be blamed what Peyton Manning is probably not cuz he can pretty much do no wrong until he does wrong and then he'll be blamed von miller and his confusion last year is going to surface this year and well if he was in better shape um i've heard commentators i've heard commentators blamed and i'm i'm not I've heard it by people in this room, and I'm not going to even say who. How could the commentator be responsible for the Broncos losing? The truth is simple. Blaming others is just easier than owning it. And when I say owning it, I'm not talking about taking on some ungodly heaviness about us. That's not what I'm talking about. But owning it is okay. I'm in the middle of a tough situation. The temperature just got hotter in this place and I'm feeling the pressure. We are to run to Jesus. James's encouragement to the church and our encouragement to the church is that we experience growth, is that we grow in perfection, which is maturity, that we grow in maturity and that we have grace for one another and we have love for one another and we pray for one another. And they were committed to one another. Yeah. Went to a wedding last night. There was a, a young man, uh, Joe Sieveland, that uh, uh, got married last night. And uh, Karen and I were his youth pastors back in the day. And and uh, they had an open mic, so we stood up. Just I, I wanted to make a blessing, and I I blessed them that they would be a couple of prayer. That they run to the Lord before anything else. They run to the Lord in prayer, and then that they would go to each other and talk it out. Instead of going to others or holding it in. Friends, we, we have, I have the same encouragement for each one of us. Run to the Lord. Don't keep it in. Don't bottle it up. At some point, if, if we just bottle it up, it's going to come out. Usually in an ugly way. Run to the Lord. And then go to one another in love and in grace. Do not complain against one another. What happens if we complain against one another? We bring judgment on ourselves. When we die and we go to be with the Lord, we will be judged through the completed work of Jesus Christ. If we received that completed work, if we believed in Jesus Christ, if we believed in Him and let Him consume our lives and and own our lives make Him Lord, then the judgment we receive through the completed work of Jesus Christ will be gloriously wonderful. It will be the judgment of not guilty. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. I don't see any of it done. By means of the blood of the Lamb, not guilty. So we don't have to fear judgment. But because those of us who have trusted our lives in the Lord don't have to fear judgment, does it mean that He is not a just judge? And that He does not care about righteousness and, and justice? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No man gets to the Father. And no man gets that, that judgment of not guilty. Except through Jesus Christ. if we're critical of one another, judging of others, then we are in sin. Period. If we are critical of one another and judge one another, we are in sin. And it might not be judgment that's coming because there's, there's kind of a process the Lord has. What he brings first is what? Correction. He's a loving God, and when we're in sin, the first thing He does is bring correction. Hey, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing, you are talking about my my kid. You're talking about my son, my daughter. Forgive, have grace, bite your tongue, show some maturity. I mean, I'm speaking like you know, as if like from the voice of the Father. What you did was wrong. Change it. Correct it. Two plus two is not nine. Two plus two is four. Correction. Right? You got the answer wrong. Let me give you the right answer because it's not a trick. It's not a trick pop quiz. I want you to get the answers right. Love one another. Have grace for one another. Quit grumbling with... You get it? That's correction. If we receive correction... Praise God. Grace, strength, maturity. That's what James wants for the church. If we don't receive correction, what comes next? Discipline. If we refuse to receive correction, discipline comes. Does God discipline us? Yes, he does. Why? Because he loves us. That's what the word says. He disciplines those he loves. First comes correction. And if we refuse to receive correction, then comes discipline. Why correction? Why discipline? Because it's God's intent that He provides a way that we can avoid harsh judgment. He wants us to walk in grace. And not just harsh judgment on that day when we stand before the Lord on, you know, at the Bama throne of God. I'm not even talking about that extent of the harsh judgment when we refuse to walk in God's correction, we walk in judgment on this earth because the enemy has accusation against us and it penetrates and it hits. Why? Because we've opened the door to the enemy and we've refused to receive the correction of God and the enemy is opportunistic. If I am constantly stealing Bubble gun. I'll just say chromies. I used to steal chromies. You guys don't know what chromies are. So like on like nice vehicles, nice cars, they had like little um, chrome uh, hubcap things, like on the, you know, like on the stem, on on the valve stem. And they were chrome. And me and my friends would like we'd go steal chromies. And so if I right now kept stealing chromies, and refused to be corrected by the Lord, and then all of a sudden now there's discipline. You know, and maybe I get caught, you know, and maybe I don't get caught. But I still, through that that disobedience and that rebellion, when the enemy brings accusation against me, I know it's true. Because there's unwillingness to, to be corrected. There's unwillingness to yield to the Lord. So when he brings that accusation, I, I look at it, I, I look at myself, instead of looking at Jesus Christ. And that is not what we're supposed to do as believers when accusation comes our way, we're supposed to point to the completed work of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to point to the blood of the Lamb which covers our sins. But you guys, in order to walk in this sort of grace and freedom, we've we've got to walk in the gift of repentance. So when we're corrected, we repent. Lord, you're right. Thank you, Lord God, for pointing that out to me, Lord. Two plus two is four. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're right being critical of my sister. I was being critical of my brother. Lord, thank you. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And I turn from that, Lord, and I receive your correction. At the end of verse 9, it says, Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. The judge is standing right at the door. I live in Weld County. I live right up the road here in Erie, but I live in the Weld County part of Erie. And if... I'm home, and on the other side of my door is the most by-the-book, detail-oriented, and justice-driven judge in all of Weld County. He's right outside the other side of my door. How do you think I'd feel? Now, I think the presence of that judge would give anybody pause. I think the presence of that fire and brimstone by the book judge would give anybody a certain amount of maybe discomfort at first, but you ask me how I'd feel? I'd feel totally at peace. I'd feel totally at peace. I don't care how strict the guy is. I don't care how by the book he is. I don't care. You know why? Because I haven't stolen any chromies in a long, long time. And there's a statute of limitations that ran out a long time ago. Okay? Crying out loud 11 or 12 or whatever. I feel to- I'd be totally at peace because I know that there's no accusation against me. I know I haven't committed any crime. I know he's not there for any sort of harsh judgment because I know I haven't done anything to to receive his by the bookedness. That, my friends, is why our awesome, loving, incredible God brings us correction and brings discipline when needed because he wants us to have that feeling of going the judge is right outside of my door I can't wait to see him I can't wait to see him can I see him now I'm totally at peace because I know that there's no sin against me and there's no shame against me and there's no accusation against me because it was paid for by the completed work of Jesus Christ so I'm totally at peace does that make sense when we hear the judges at the door preceded by don't treat each other harshly and don't be critical and mean to one another that's James bringing a certain amount of correction and admonition. Hmm. James five ten through 12 As an example, brethren of suffering and and patience, of suffering and patience. Just so you guys know, the use of this phrase of suffering and patience is meant to be used together. It's suffering and patience together. It's peanut butter and jelly. Okay? So it's it's two things that are meant to be together. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. Suffering and patience. Those are blessed who did what? Endured. Endured. The prize goes to the ones who endure, who run the race. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. If you fall, get back up. Because everyone who finishes this race gets a crown. Not just the fastest. Everyone who finishes this race wears the victor's crown. Everyone. So get up. Dust your these off. It's okay if you're a little bloody, if you're a little beat up, you're a little dirty. Get back in the race. Endure. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. James does some pretty cool things when we study. I know that uh, I believe both when Andy and Brad have preached... They pointed this out, and I've pointed it out a couple times. This phrase, full of compassion to describe the Lord, is the only usage of this phrase in the entire Bible. If James wanted to use, because there's a lot of times when he's writing this letter, he knows he's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. And so he uses Jewish examples. And if he wanted to just convey the, the greatness of God, he could have used one of those, you know, great and mighty type of phrases that are reoccurring, you know, from the Old Testament. James throws out a phrase to describe our incredible God that no writer of the New Testament has used before. He is full of compassion. When we talk about the judge being right there at the door, aren't we glad that that judge at the door is full of compassion? And then he he can't contain himself. James has to throw in and is merciful. He is full of kindness and he is full of mercy. That's the kind of judge I want over my life. That's the kind of judge we have over our lives. We've said it often He's not Lord of all unless He's what? Lord of all. Right? He's not Lord of all unless we let Him be Lord of all. That requires a life of submission. A life of yieldedness. A life of saying, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Lord, I trust you. He is full of compassion and merciful. Friends, we should all use such affectionate phrases when we talk about our God. Search for creative ways to describe our god i had breakfast with dave powers yesterday and dave powers is the king of creative phrases to describe god and, you know like he's often described the holy Spirit he's like oh my gosh the presence of the holy spirit was so juicy and i'm like that's that's one way to describe it sure You know, I think most of the time when we first give our lives to the Lord, um, we do so because we believe, but not necessarily because we're in love. We do so because we believe that He is God and that He died for us. And so we believe. And so faith comes out of belief. But friends, I'm here to say that when we grow in maturity, we better be growing in affection. We better be growing in love with our God. See, most people, when they first give their lives to the Lord, I don't think they're in love with God, and that's normal, that's natural. They, just, they had a moment where they're like, oh my gosh, he's real, he's alive, he's king, I'm a sinner, I need him. That's not love, that's reality. And then that's faith. But as we grow in the Lord, we should grow in affection for him. And we should never be ashamed of that. We should never be ashamed of that. Verse 12. But above all. Interesting phrase. Very interesting. But above all. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no is to be no so that you may not fall under judgment. Once again, James talks about judgment, but he uses that but above all, very, very curious. It's a very serious statement. Very serious topic. But above all, do not swear either by heaven or earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, let your no be no. I know this passage that's instructing us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. I know that they can be taken, honestly, a dozen different ways. It can be, there's a def, if you have a dozen different preachers up here, there's, there's going to be a dozen different messages on that. But knowing what James has driven home so far in this letter, here's what I see this to be, and I just it's all over it. This is his plea to the church to be intentional. This is his plea to the church to be genuine. To be real, to cut out the fluff, to cut out the, the grandstanding. I pledge by the hammer of Zundar that uh, I, I, I swear by my good name. I don't care about your good name. I care about His good name, and He doesn't even want to swear and by it. He just wants a yes, yes, Lord. Will you serve me, Mark? Yes. Mark, is this bigger than me? Is this bigger? Is this problem that you're going through? Is that bigger than me? No way. No, Lord. No, Daddy. Th- I think that's what he wants. I think that's what James is driving home. Let your yeses be yes. Yeah, I'll serve you. Yes, I give you my life. Let your nose be no. He wants a personal response that's sincere and relational, not with fluff. Proverbs fifteen five says this only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. I look out this place and I see a room full of wise people, but we 're only wise if we are obedient to the Word of God and we heed His correction and we learn from His discipline let 's not complain against one another, and you know what i 'm just preaching the word of god i 'm not pointing out it we don't, i don 't believe right now uh, that 's not a problem we have. We have problems. I mean, we're ridiculously good-looking for a church. That's a problem. I joke, but I'm serious. I don't think it's a problem that we're talking against one another. But this is the Word of God. And we're going to preach the Word of God. And we're going to stand by the Word of God. And we're going to receive correction before we have to receive what? Discipline. We're going to receive His instruction so that we don't have to be disciplined down the road. If we don't listen to God's instruction, then the next thing that's coming is God's correction. If we don't listen to God's correction, the next thing that's coming is God's discipline. Let's not take lightly his discipline. Let's not take lightly his instruction or his correction. Let's let our yeses be yes, our nos be no. Let's be genuine with our God. Let's remove the false pretenses. You know what? I love that my God loves my honesty even when my honesty is ugly. I love that I can go before the Lord and I'm like crappy day lord man I I've, I've been doing nothing but eating poo all day lord this is this is a horrible day it couldn't it couldn't be worse. I love that I can be honest. How you doing son? Uh brutal down depressed no vision wh- whatever we can we don't have to have some fluff oh uh wonderful mighty savior we can just be honest with them and be like i need you i need you so bad right now because i'm down and i and i know that my flesh and my emotions don't rule me but right now they they it feels like they are so i just need to trust you so i give these emotions to you lord but we interact with him but we're real and we're genuine young people you don't got to put on a front for God I know he's the king of kings but he's also your daddy and you don't have to put on a front for him you just come to him with with being real but then also you got to be obedient you got to be obedient to him saying give me that that's only going to weigh you down give me that trust me yes daddy Okay, I'll give you other cool stuff but you can't have that and the cool stuff I've got right you got to give me that before I give you the cool stuff give me give me the shame give me the accusation give me the heaviness give me the uncertainty you got to give me that I've got awesome stuff for you you trust me yes daddy okay you got to give me all that stuff first and you got to trust that the stuff I'm giving you will will fill in every gap that you need consumed by me